And we're back. You just listened to the Christmas episode. Now we are back into this episode. So, hello, and thank you for tuning into the Attack and Release Show. This is the season finale for season six. Ah, uh, it's gonna be good. This is my good friend Sam Moses, who you can hear. Hi. He's in Nashville. You know, a little bit of an unusual intro, but we are here nonetheless. So. It's going to be a cool episode, but before we hop into it, why don't you do a little bit of housekeeping, Samuel? Oh, I would love to. My friends, turn the fireplace on, get a cozy beverage, get a blanket. It's holiday season. Get your stretchy pants on. You deserve a rest. And, you know, during this housekeeping, you have that unique time during this special moment during the holidays to just like, share, and subscribe. Screenshot this episode. Post it on Instagram. Help us out. Tag me, Moses Mastering. Tag Matt for the record mastering. We will reshare it with good tidings and cheer. We will also probably talk to you and say, hi, thank you. Or you can talk to us and say, hey, longtime listener, thank you. From there, we'll chit-chat. We'll get to know each other, which is so much fun. We'll learn from each other, and we'll all finish records better together. And that is the joy of housekeeping. That's it. There you go. Done. There you go. Buttoned up in a nutshell. Good to go. Ah, chestnuts roasting. <laughs> so I'm still undecided <laughs> on the name of or the title of this episode. My working title is We're Switching It Up. But I don't want people to think like we're not doing what we normally do or that like. I don't know, something drastic is happening. But we'll tell you about the, you know, the switch up or whatever afterwards. But I kind of want to do like with this season finale, I kind of want to do, you know, a look back and a look forward is really how it's going to be. And then just next year, we'll take a little bit. It won't be a different path. It'll just be like an emphasis on a path that we've established that we've gotten a lot of feedback of like, hey, there's not really a lot of people doing stuff like this. And Sam and I have some pretty decent advice or mm-hmm. insight, mm-hmm. but not legally bound <laughs> advice on no. what is, yeah, you know, to come. So anyway, I think it'll be good, but I kind of want to look back on the past six years of doing this, um, kind of like how this podcast has grown, how the business has grown, how, you know, like our businesses have grown, how our like gear collection, whatever has grown to where it is. And kind of where we are as far as like you know uh where we started where we are now and then um i also want to take a look at like where is the state of mastering this is kind of a state of the union like where is mastering (laughs) end of 2023 beginning like looking into 2024 um and then we'll kind of you know end with like hey what are we kind of like looking at for next year. So, but I want to look back first. Sam, where were you six years ago? Well, Seven years ago. I'm just pulling up my taxes. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I was like, let me see what we were doing back then. And uh, back then, I had one ginormous spreadsheet going. <laughs> the digital shoebox? The digital shoebox. And you know, the spreadsheet's not bad. This was before I had my CPA I've had for the last four years. This was before I was an S-Corp. So I was just basically doing personal income, just sole proprietor. 
And um, we have, uh, let's see. <laughs> Nothing like being personally liable. Right. <laughs> I am, uh, the business has grown 4X since then. So that's quite you. a bit. Thank you. Um, so that's neat. And uh, actually about 4.5X. So that's cool. Hell yeah. That's great. Um, but yeah, so that's growth. I'm sure the client list is quite extensive. But back then, we were really, um, we had just finished our mentoring that I was doing with you. And um, I think I was really in a nice spot, but I had no idea what was coming as far as like growth and whatever. I felt like I knew what was coming, but I had the snowball rolling, but it had not collected tons and tons of speed yet as it mm-hmm. feels like now. And um, we were just two guys having a good time, having a good time, yeah. That's what we were. <laughs> <laughs> if anybody's ever seen that viral video on YouTube. Um, if not, go check it out. Um, but yeah, from a mastering standpoint, the business had been probably, that was six years ago, I probably had been, I've been, ma- I've been getting paid money to master for 14 years. So six minus 14 would be eight, eight years into it. Um, And that was probably about when I started to feel like this is actually something. Like it's actually a company and it's rolling and I have clients and I pay the bills, our bills and for our lifestyle and whatever. And um, yeah, that's where we were. And we started off a podcast with an episode on stealing software. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. <laughs> on turrets and cracks. And um it wasn't like your crack is showing or something. Yeah, your crack is showing or something. Yeah. And uh I think that might have been a later episode. What I yeah, I think it was. What I love about thinking about six years ago is it's almost the attack release show is the same. <laughs> like we got into it not to at all become famous or influencers or sponsored, which we are not sponsored still. Um, And that's by choice at this stage. And um, the community has grown so slow, but so beautifully and organically and exactly, I think, how we want it to be and how we wanted it to grow. And there is such a purity about the Attack Early Show community and y'all out there. And also, I think a purity with what Matt and I do, if I can toot our own horn, that we have stayed true to our goals and to y'all, our audience, throughout these past six years. And I don't know of many other podcasts that can say that, like especially audio ones. Because there's a few audio podcasts that started or were going right before ours. And a number of them that started that literally just don't exist anymore. But so many have sold out to sponsorships and taken the interview, just plug plug someone to get marketing. And, you know, interviews are fun and, you know, I think can have their place. But I just really am so grateful that our podcast is still going, that I have you as a friend, Matt, and that you suggested that we do this. And so six years feels like a lot has happened and at the same time feels like nothing has changed in the best way. 
Um, I'm still monologuing. I appreciate it. <laughs> I'm still monologuing. And uh, not much has changed. As you, you know, say. not much has changed. So yeah, I feel like from a mastering standpoint, though, like I'm a much better engineer. Um, I feel like I communicate way better with my clients. I understand more of what mastering is and more so what people think it is and want it to be and how to meet their needs. And um, I feel like sonically, I definitely know how to handle pretty much everything at this stage. I feel like everything's been tossed to me at this stage. And so I've had to figure out solutions. Um, and then also the occasional firing, you know, how to handle once or twice a year, you get let go off project. And learning that that really isn't a make or break. And most of the time when you're getting let go, it has nothing to do with you. And learning about that as you get higher up. And so anyway, those are kind of my initial ramblings and thoughts. What do you think, Matt? Six years. The early, the early days were cool. I pulled <laughs> up my books. I'm like four and a half to five X over where I was when we started. It's not a brag. It's just, you know, as you keep doing what you're doing, you're just going to... I mean, it's what I said in like the beginning. It's like one of the people who's actually, I think one of Sam's clients, you've done a bunch of this artist's records. Um, she like one time posted on social media. Um, it's like when you identify with what you do, things shake loose. And that's what I did. And they did shake loose. And it's like if, I mean, also Sam, like, you know, you've said it a handful of times, like people like us do things like this. Mm-hmm. And so it's just... When you're in it, people refer you and people like what you're doing and you ask them to refer you. And I think in a lot of our business growth episodes, whenever you've been asked a question of how do you really grow in today's market? And it's just like, man, word of mouth is so great. Mm-hmm. And like, n- n- and even I think in any other type of business, it's I don't think there's like a better form of marketing than like having somebody who is like of friend level uh, recommend you to somebody else. It's like, it's probably one of the strongest forms of marketing. And I mean, flattery as well, that someone loved what you did enough that yes. you recommended, you were recommended. So, um, so I mean, it's just, you know, the numbers are really just proof that it's like, you know, you do this and you put yourself out there and people end up jiving with what you do. And so, as you said, some people like what you do and some people don't. And unfortunately, yeah, sometimes you get fired from things and sometimes you have to break it to some people that, hey, I don't really think that mastering is going to really help you here. And it's like you're essentially saving people money when something's saying, like, yes, I can master this, but I don't really think we're going to achieve what you want to achieve with this. Um, and so I'd prefer just to not waste your money. Um, so it's like you end up firing people and not firing clients or anything. I mean, you can have toxic clients that you end up firing, but essentially, you know, that. And then it's like you, I think one of the neat things is I feel like I kind of like found like who I am in all of this and what I want to do and what I don't want to do. Yeah. And I also feel like, through mastering, you're like a lot of the time you're doing like A, B. Do I like this or do I like this? Okay, no, I like this. You know, like the eye doctor is like, yes. is, do you like one? 
or two. I like two. Okay, three or four. And so it's like, yeah, you have that, and you have like a lot of A, B, and you have to really get good at, you know, being decisive in what you want, and there's a bit of speed that needs to happen with this. And uh, along with QC, you just need to be really decisive about what you like and what you don't like and, you know, what really fits the vibe of what you're going for. And, I mean, that's what people hire you for is your opinion. And um, I feel like in a lot of realms, I mean, not just mastering but business in general, it's like I know what my threshold for BS is. I know what my threshold for, like, a mix that's ready for mastering is. I feel like... um, I feel like I know a lot about the career that I want to have. I feel like I know the direction I want my business to go in. And so let's say as far as business direction, I'm not overly interested in label work. And early on, it kind of sounds like a nice thing. And don't get me wrong, it's like you can charge more for that type of work. Um, it's steady work, but it's like also I'm still running my other business. Like I am like the head of operations and I'm doing finance and I'm doing marketing and literally everything else. Like I, this year it's like made like a 25 year plan for this business and we're really working on a three year plan. Like we have a direction and a seven year plan by 2030. And so we're really like hammering forward and this thing ain't slowing down. I mean, I got to give this business to my kids. It's got a family name tied to it as well. (laughs) Um, And so it's like I've had to be really decisive in what I want and what I need. And um, I've, I've also realized personally that I'm not a good fit for labels because if they're going to want something like today, oh, we got an artist putting this out on TikTok and it's like, well, I'm sorry. I have, other things I need to do. And I'm not saying that they're not important, but I'm not going to I'm not going to deal with like an hour turnaround. It's just not going to happen. It's like I could in in a disingenuous way, sure. But that's not who I am. That's not me serving the music, which is ultimately what's more important to me than anything is like I exist here to serve the music and to serve the artist and not some like, you know, conglomerate just like churning out artists. Um, And I'm not saying anything against people who do, um, you know, work in mass and stuff like that with um, labels and whatnot. And there's nothing, I I think it's super great for growing your career um, is getting into the label game. Um, But as far as me and my business, where I am right now, uh, my mastering business, it's just, I can't serve them the way that they need to be served. Uh, with the quick turnaround times and everything that they need, and it just it just wouldn't work. And I'm not saying from experience. I'm just saying I just have a gut feeling, and that's just the way it's going to be. Yeah. Um, so, but what does that mean? That means I love working with indie artists. That means I love working with uh, indie producers and indie mixers. And it's like that is where my like ultimate heart is. Like I was telling Sam like before this, I was walking out back behind our building. I was having a, you know, my uh, my ritual Wednesday e- uh, late afternoon cigar and cup of coffee, and uh, I was talking with Sam, and I was saying, you know, nothing makes me more happy when I get like like you know, it's like yeah, you can do like like 
the the master where it's like just like a little bit needs tweak, but everything's like so perfect. It's really fun to do those, but it's like man, nothing beats having like the minus eighteen like to minus 10 master where it's just like, man, the world is my oyster. And these people, (laughs) they only want to go to minus seven or minus five. Nothing too crazy. They just want this out in the world and they want it to sound gorgeous and I can make that happen. It's like, man, that is... And so that's me. It's like, I love indie artists and I love that. On another side, as far as career and what I found out is like the AB, you have to be very, very decisive in your business. You can't be washy, especially with some of the decisions that we've had to make within the past three or so years. Um, Labels are pushing certain things, and this is not me looking down on anybody who went this route, but this is me and my business. Um, Very early on when Apple did their spatial audio, and then you had everyone uh, who's looking into Dolby certification and whatnot, I had to very quickly say, is this something I want to offer? And this isn't you know, saying yes or no to this is a format. We've talked about that in previous episodes. Um, But being able to look at my business and what I offer and how I could potentially offer this for clients or maybe not, or what's the actual demand, uh, what is the actual market demand, corporate demand, label demand, um, really quick analysis, me just being able to say, you know, this isn't something I'm willing to offer. And if the industry moves that direction where everybody's doing it and I'm not, I'm okay not doing that. And I'm okay. Like, <laughs> I've had a good run. <laughs> it's like, it's like I, I, I'm good. And it's like businesses need to make that type of decision of like, where are we going to go? Um, my other business has had to make decisions when there's like a trend in an industry of do we want to essentially create this trend? We've It's been fun to have the opportunity to do that. But on the other side, it's like, do we want to actually get in on this trend? And it's like, no, because this trend involves like you have to make an app to control this kind of thing. And then customer service be, turns into IT with all these people not being able to understand the app and the app not working. And <laughs> we're not developers, so we got to contact back and forth a developer. Everyone's ticked off at us. Or we can just do what we do better than anyone else, which I believe we do. And on our product, we offer a lifetime warranty on it, which is ironic because on our product, that's where planned obsolescence started. And the irony is that we are ending it with a lifetime warranty. Um, So I'm in marketing. Um, But yeah, being able to make those decisions, I feel like I've really um, been able to do that. And so that's definitely like looking forward. Um, I really love how my business has grown. Um, I've also kind of like learned about myself a lot. And so like, I've kind of gone through like a lot of like slumps, um, of like, you kind of get into a thing of like, oh, you know, mastering business is a little bit low right now. I need to get out there and market and stuff. But then you kind of don't feel like it. It's like, oh, I hate having to work to work. Um, but it's like, you know, figuring out ways over that to where you're still reaching out and still doing everything. And, like, you know, being like, I feel like our generation is so over social media that it's just like, oh, I don't want to do like the social media thing anymore. Um, it's just like, I literally feel like since the marketing episode came out, I have not aligned with an episode more than our marketing episode. The marketing arbitrage is ridiculous. And it's, I think I, like, one company sent me seven emails in one day for, Cause like I signed up for like 10% off on their website. It was like, literally I wanted a belt (laughs) 
And this company was called like Hank's Belts. And I was like, oh, yeah, I can use a new belt. This belt's from like 2011. Yeah, I need a new belt. And Hank's Belts freaking emailed me seven times a day, sent me text messages, followed up. And I'm like, are y'all going to cut it out? This is so crazy. Um, we're not sponsored by Hank's Belts either. <laughs> um, but it's like, you know, I've figured out like, you know, what I like and what I don't like. And I don't know. I, I mean, have I have I gone long-winded enough, Sam? No, it's great. Yeah. So, I mean, that's kind of looking back over the past six years. I mean, you've grown a ton. I've grown a ton. Um, and it's like I look at so like my other business. I work. Um, I work with uh, with my dad, and we created this business. And one of the things that I've really learned from him, and and it's funny because it's like you know you like sometimes you'll get a little bit like frustrated with just some of like the intergenerational things that like their generation did like did this one way my generation does it another way and one of the interesting things is like um the wisdom that is to be like handed down is like still just baffles me from like you know an additional 30 40 years in an industry that like is essentially before me that I still have to learn of like how to deal with stuff, international business and whatnot. And it's every day is kind of blowing my mind. And it's like anytime I'm like, man, what do we do in this situation? It's like my dad just got like this nugget of wisdom that I'm just kind of really kind of honored to be in the position to witness. And it's really neat and humbling to see. And other times it's like we're at each other's throats, but it's like we're guys and so we're over it and like, Two minutes after you know an argument, so yeah. it's all it, it's all it's all really neat. Um, I don't think I would have changed anything over the past six years. What about you? Things I would change, yeah. Mm, I could change something over the last six years. Probably be. I'd probably be a bit more firm with like just my policies, like rates and everything. I mean, I'm pretty firm with it, but there's just kind of always this like, well, maybe not for everyone, but for me, you like don't want to lose work, you know? And sure. especially when you're, when you're at a, when you're building your business and or you in theory know you need money, um, it's hard to pass that up, but yeah, looking back on it, there is so much truth in when you say yes to something, you're saying no to something else. And also, if you have a long-term view, like, as I get older, I just keep seeing how long life can be. And I know it's mm-hmm. short at the same time, but, like, I've been doing this for 14 years, and I'm only 35. <laughs> like, And I have, like, if I want probably like 30 more years of this, which is crazy. <laughs> like, you know, like a lot of the guys we look up to are in their 60s. Some like are 70. And um, I mean, it's a long time, but it's also not. It's not, but it is. For me, I view it long in that like, there, I feel like there was so much urgency on my end self-created to want to get my business to a certain level, certain clients, certain money. And those are great goals. 
And, you know, you could say, well, that, I could say to myself, well, that got you to where you are now, which is, you really, I really like where I am now. <laughs> um, but you have time, and that's not like a new thought. And Gary V talks about, I haven't, I haven't watched anything from Gary V in a long, long time, but I remember years ago. Man, I have say, a like, gripe with Gary. Yeah, I don't even, I, I think literally in 2023, him, I think he's I think. full of shit. Could be. Um, I'll get into that later. I'll have Continue. to check into him. But anyway, he used to, years ago, really tell young people, you know, and even people that thought they were old in their 40s or 50s, like, you're young. You still got 10, 15, 20 years to create something, do something, you know, enjoy life or switch businesses. And there really is some truth to that. And I think within my business, a lot of self-created stress and or some of the directions I took were... Um, not needed, but I took them out of scarcity mindset, fear, um, wanting to be somewhere that I thought I needed to be. And then when you get to that level, um, it's great, but it's also not like, as someone who is now, like I'm on the opposite, like I do a lot of label work now and I do enjoy it for the most part. Mm -hmm. Um, And I love indie stuff too, but I've definitely you know, I don't know what percentage now is label work, but it's quite a bit this past year. Mm-hmm. And um, it's it's not the same gig, but it's the same gig. Like I'm still just a guy in a room getting files sent to him and then trying to serve the client. And whether it's uh, a record that is nominated for something or wins something, or it's an artist that has 12 fans on Spotify, like the gig is kind of the same. Um, in a successful project, like, I don't know, you just, I think in this industry, at least for me, like six years ago, I romanticized a lot of what I thought working with X, Y, and Z would do or having the award or thing or plaque and whatever. And um, I think those are great goals. Like if you want those things, you desire those things, it's great. Get them, work towards them, you know, celebrate them. It's awesome. But at the same time, um, you got to keep going in life and the bills keep coming in theory and you need the phone to keep ringing. And so you have to like really get comfy and settle in. And as you settle in for like this long career path, in my opinion, you're allowed to really, I've said it before, but I believe it more and more as I do this longer. It's like you can really shape, it's just like you talking about, Matt, like what you want to do. Like you've seemed to have a lot of clarity on what you want to do and not do. And I feel like I'm continually just learning that. And then, you know, six years ago, what I would do different is like not be so scared to turn down work, maybe go a hair slower here and there and just, you know, be more clear on what I want to do and not do. Even though I feel like if I listen back to the podcast, I probably have been saying this <laughs> to myself and to everybody. But, um, but yeah, six years ago, definitely like had feel like I got on a rocket ship over the last six years in a good way overall. But um, yeah, I would definitely be more choosy, more firm on my rate and policies, um, a bit more clear and upfront and not so scared that you're going to ruin your career by um, frustrating someone or if someone doesn't quite like your work or they don't think you're worth your rate or they just don't have the money, you can say no. Um, And I've found that if you're willing to keep at this and, you know, ask for what you think you're worth and or what you just need to operate a business because it is expensive. 
um, especially if you're going to have a family and want to buy a house and whatnot. You've got to make some decent money. Um, but yeah, I would probably change a bit of that. And then I just wouldn't worry. As, I don't really worry about anything anymore as far as like when I master a song. I assume most people will probably like it and the feedback will probably be good. But there are times where people are like, you need to change this or this kind of missed the mark. It's not very often, but I used to have probably six years ago more so like, um, I you could just call probably anxiety about like sending a song off. And now I just, I just send it off like with a gratefulness and just knowing that if someone needs something adjusted, that's fine. Like nobody's dying over this. And, um, you know, if people want to escalate things, they can escalate it. But like their their urgency is not my urgency, and like their um, you know their their panicking doesn't have to be mine. So really, I think staying yeah. true to me and my energy, no matter how a client responds, is you know really you don't have to be responsible for everything your client is feeling and saying. And I think six years ago, I was very much. Serving the client, you can do that without being very, not like overstepping to me, like personally involved in their own issues. Because um, what we do is a very personal thing. A lot of music artists make is very personal. A lot of what they sing about is very real, you know, struggles. And a lot of the best art is about struggle and pain and bad situations. And if you're in this long enough, you're going to run into people who are literally in terrible situations while they're making this art. Mm -hmm. And they will want um, probably more of you than you should give. And so you mm -hmm. got to be prepared for that, I found. And I just think for the type of person I am, like kind of more extroverted and definitely growing up a lot of like people pleaser mentality. I was raised six years ago. I was probably a little overextensive emotionally, mentally um, to clients probably with good I probably had good intentions but there definitely could have been better lines of professionalism I'll say um, six years ago not that anything bad happened honestly it's all fine mm -hmm. <laughs> but now my interactions are more um, much more honed in you know and I think that is good honestly and I could go into that at a, in a different episode but there's definitely a professionalism that I carry now in tone that's very, um, I think, helpful, moves projects along well, gets us back to the, the thing that we need to get done, keeps everything moving more, sure. and establishes a great boundary of what I do and what I offer and where that ends and begins. So I'm going to stop there. Those are some thoughts about no, that. I think it's good. <laughs> um, I would definitely say... Well, okay, so as far as, like, business is concerned, I know, like, you know, in the Christmas episode, we were talking about, you know, some resolutions or whatnot. Do you have any, like, business resolutions for next year? Um, 2024. And if not, that's cool. I mean, I think I've... In my head, there's some more label work I want to do, like artists and or mixers I'd like to work with. And so there's some conversations I'll be having next year within the labels to kind of just shoot my shot and say, hey, sure. I know you always go to this person. 
you know, the last two years that have just been knocking it out of the park is number two guy, you know, or sometimes number one guy, sometimes number four guy on the call. It's like, you know, and uh, there's definitely like some bucket list stuff on there of people I'd like to work with, you know, and records I'd like to be a part of that I think I'd be a great fit for and it'd be a lot of fun to work on those records in my head, you know, romanticizing once again. Um, But yeah, there's definitely some of that. And then I think, you know, next year I'm trying to finish up my mastering book that I've been writing and I think that'll be done next year. So I want to get that out, you know, probably, hopefully next year. And I don't know what that'll bring. I don't know if that'll bring more teaching or interaction or something, but definitely the book I'm writing on mastering and within it's a lot of business and client interaction, um, you know, things I do and what I found helpful. It's definitely something I'm excited to get out to the world because I think it'll be helpful. And uh, it's been wildly helpful for me to just continually clarify what I do and how I do and why I do it. Sure. Um, but yeah, from a business standpoint, if I can, um, I mean, I think I've shared with you, like if I can maintain where I'm at with clients, you know, the amount I do and, uh, just do that for the next 30 years, then that would be absolutely bonkers. So, um, so yeah, the goals are not, not so drastically different, but I think it's a big goal within business to be able to sustain. So I want to keep the momentum going, but I'm not looking to like really grow much more, um, to be honest, ever. (laughs) Like I don't, I'm as busy as I want to be. And um, I like the flow and pace at which I work and the amount of work I do. And it doesn't mean I'm not taking on new clients. I've had some people hear me kind of say this before and they think, well, we can't take any new clients. I think, I mean, I'd be happy to admit, I have definitely turnover every year where people sure. stop making records or they go to somebody else for That's just who natural. knows why. Yeah, so there's definitely like a revolving, I should go, I should try and figure this out sometime, but there's definitely, I've, I've yet to not be able to take on new clients each year. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if you are new out there, I mean... Our audience is kind of a lot of master engineers, but also sometimes not. You know, happy to to work with new people next year, and um, so yeah. So business goals next year, kind of maintain, but then also, you know, shoot my shot with a few projects and or people I I think I'd like to work with and see what comes of that, and uh, yeah, and just keep staying the course here and get that book out. Mm-hmm. So that's that. What about you? What do you think? <sighs> nice. Yeah, I, as far as me, I have actually like three books I've been like milling over. I was like, yeah, you ah. need to write them because I want to read them. <laughs> yeah. It's also like, I don't really think I'm a good writer. So there's also there's also that I've been kind of milling about. Um, my main business resolution for next year is I feel like in mastering and in my other business, I'm at a point to where I really think that I need mentorship of some kind. Yeah. Um, because 
And I, 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 I feel like I come across cocky when I say this kind of stuff, but that's not the intent. Um, everybody online, and this is how I know, like, on people online are just full of it. Is um, there's all these things for like, oh, how to make a, how to make a hundred thousand dollars, how to do, like, how to start a business, five. Or I don't know, fifty ideas to start. You know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah. But like, here's how I know that nobody actually does that in a sustainable way is because there's no book, there's no course, there's no anything that says how to grow a sustaining business. Yeah, like there's nothing for like, hey, here's how you're like your next like handful of hires should probably be. And it's like, and I'm, I feel like I'm to the point where a lot of it in growth is like shooting from the hip and see what works. Yeah. Um, I feel like if I had some like mentorship as far as like even back when I was like, oh, do I raise my rate a few years ago? I was at 80 bucks. I went to 125. The market could handle that. But I don't think that I saw what was coming with the market and not like COVID or any of that stuff, but just like my more like local market. And so it's like, oh, it's like the market I love and I love being a part of it. And I feel like I alienated some of my customers that I really loved. But like yet I was being told, I was like, man, your rates are like a little bit low. And so I've kind of settled back around 100 a track and I'm – Totally happy there, mainly because the math is super easy. <laughs> that's that's the secret. The math is just easy, um, and it's like I feel like if you're in a city that like a lot of music is being made there, Nashville, Atlanta, New York, L.A. I'm sure I'm missing one or two. Um, I feel like you can get away charging a little bit more, uh, just because you have such a surplus in the market as far as clientele coming in um, that turnover doesn't really affect or shouldn't affect you as much. Um, so as far as not being in a music city or maybe a city that's kind of having a little bit of like a change, like Charleston went through an interesting change in the music scene here um, and also, you know, my market evolved, got a lot more mature. Some people, you know, had kids and said, you know, I want to go into real estate. I don't want to do music anymore. Um, and so it's like uh, assessing the market, I probably could have done that a little bit better. It's like I really hold on to my formula for raising my rate. And I don't know. I think I assessed my market properly, but I I don't know. I'm always second guessing to a degree, but I mean, all of us do that. And I, I don't know. I would like to think that, um, I don't know if mentorship would have necessarily helped with that, or at least I maybe would have been able to talk some stuff out a little bit better. Um, so I think that's a big business resolution. Um, on my point of why I think Gary Vee's a bit full of it this year <laughs> is because he's like reached such, I'm, I'm just kind of, you know, reaching back earlier into the podcast. He's at such a point where he's saying, like, you need to be making at least, like, 30 pieces of content a week. 
And it's like you have people who are just so over social media. I feel like at least like the older part of the millennial generation, it may even stretch down into some like Gen Z and whatnot. Uh, you have so many people who are just over it that it's like, I'm not making 30 pieces of content. Well, now he has an out to where it's like, oh, yeah, it's like, well, you're all oh, Gary, my business isn't growing. And he's like, well, you're making 30 pieces of content. It's like, it's unsustainable. He's like, right. you're not doing what I told you to do. And it's like, no one can make, who has the time to make 30 pieces of content? I have a marketing, I've like run a marketing side of my business and I don't have time to make 30 pieces of content. So I feel like he has a little bit too much of an out. And so that's why I call BS a little bit. Um, Let's see, what else did I have? Um, on my point also about like, I feel like you, we have like a lot of time, but it also kind of seems like not as my kids have gotten older. I've been like, man, this is like, you know, it's like, holy crap. Emery is six years old. Like what's been going on the past six years. (laughs) And it's just kind of been blowing my mind to be like, Man, when Emery or an Elliot who's three is Emery's age, he's going to be nine, pushing 10. Like, then he's only got eight years left in the house. And it's like, you go through this whole parental thing, and it's like, he's going to be driving in 10 years. But like, it's like, he's already six. And it's like, I can barely remember half of those. And so it's like, I have, you have a lot of time, but also you don't have a lot of time, which is so wild. You'll get to it, Sam, when you're. When your daughter starts getting like like three, and then you're like, "Oh, in a little bit, she'll be six, and then <laughs> won't care about me anymore." Yeah. Um, anyway, <laughs> so that's all. You know, looking back over the past six years, yeah, shoot, we started this right around the time my room was born. Um, I think that's kind of when, yeah, when we started putting episodes together. He would he had just been born. Um, okay. Let's move on. We have not the most amount of time left, um, and I want to get to two things still. Um, is that all right? Yeah, it's fine. Where is Where do we think mastering is headed? End of 2023, beginning of 2024. Is it something that, I mean, we've done episodes on this. Is it something that's kind of dying and fading? Is there like is there relevance to this? Should people just switch over to lander or you know you know mix engineers are delivering hotter and hotter? It's like what's the point? <laughs> what, what what are we doing here, Sam? Should um, people get into it still? I think I think yes, people should get into it. Based on my business, it's growing. And there is yeah. a demand. Like, I really believe there's a demand in the midst of, if you put this question out there on the internet, and I call the internet usually like not the, take it how you want in the nicest way possible, but I'll call the internet not the real music industry. Um, <laughs> like the forums, let's call them just the forums, like sure. random posts. Um, and you said, you know, it's mastering dying thing. You'd probably get most people are going to say, yeah. It's like a waste, you know, it's no one pays for it, blah, blah. But I unfortunately, I think that's because mastering has been so hijacked and continues to get hijacked with the words and how what is mastering. It's weird. Do it. It is a bit bizarre. And I even see software companies like Logic Adding, like auto mastering basically, and people, yeah, you know, waves 
trying to do their own auto mastering. And there's like this very interesting misunderstanding where it feels like almost everybody in the industry thinks mastering is two bus processing. And while it is that, it's so much more than that. It's a skill set and a way to listen and a way to interpret things and a way to talk to clients and a way to bring peace of mind. It's also that your is taste. Different. Yeah, and your taste, which is hard to replicate with auto anything. Um, and if your auto thing is measuring everybody else's taste to make this weird, like, uh, average taste, then that's what you're going to get. You know, and that's a Taste big... Tasteless. Yeah, it's a big... <laughs> tasteless. That's, yeah, exactly. So if you're taking into account a million different masters as an AI thing to train it and learn it, you know, if I think most people would say, you know, that's too many chefs in the kitchen. You're going to get a weird thing. Um, but anyway, I don't want to go down that tangent. Um, but yeah, I think mastering is alive and well. Um, I think there's a demand for it. But I think there's a demand for people who really want to get into it, which is what we've been saying for years. And I'll continue to say it. It's like, you got to be all in on some level. You know, that doesn't mean your whole life has to be it. Like Matt, you know, has a real legit job and then he masters on top of that. I don't know how he does it. He's Superman. Um, but hardly, you know, it's, it's one of those things where we need people to devote real energy and time to it to learn the craft and learn what it means to master now, you know, and moving forward. And um, I don't see it slowing down. I would say it just depends on like where audio goes as a whole over the next like 10 years to me of like encoding and processing and normalization and loudness and trends like it's really hard for me to say, I mean, I could say this, most of my mixers on paper are for sure delivering references that are plenty loud. And so are the songwriters, like from the first time they rough out a demo, they're delivering a file that is competitively loud for, you know, the main market. And, um, you know, I could potentially see I don't know. I don't know if I see mastering going away, but I could see more and more independent DIYers like really, especially mixers, start just saying, you know, I master too. If your mixes do sound really good and they're competitive and you decide that it's done, then that's mastering to me. It's done. And you, I think they already do that. I think we're there. Yeah. Yeah. I know we are there. Like there's definitely, there's mixers that are no longer my client who are now mastering their mixes for their clients and just charging extra, which is fine, honestly, um, if they feel confident in that and everybody digs it. So I could see it potentially going, maybe going away and that like the mixers become the master engineers and then that could become the producers become the mixers. Like you can kind of run the chain of like, well, everybody's getting better, you know, because of accessibility and better equipment and better tools and you know ways to manipulate things and if AI does get better um, but for the next few years at least I think I'll be here and I think uh, you know there's going to be plenty of work to do um, as far as we have to on some level at least for me I, I talk about Atmos um, I still don't have a demand for it there's a few of my mixers um, 
who have gotten into Atmos and they've actually just become the mastering engineer for it, um, which is fine with me. So they take care of the stereo mix, which I master, and then they get paid something extra to turn in a Atmos version. Um, my understanding is there is still um, heavy politics from the top about Atmos. Uh, the demand is not user-generated, not artist-generated, um, not mixer-generated. It is still very much from the, the big companies, uh, especially Apple. Kind of the rumor is they're going to start paying out a higher ro royalty in theory uh, for for Atmos slash spatial releases. So, you know, if they force it enough, it may catch on more. But as of now, um, I don't see myself doing Atmos anytime soon just because the demand isn't, it literally isn't there um, for me. And um, I'm not willing to invest into it yet. Or, um, you know, maybe even if it really becomes super popular, um, I just feel like then there should be at most specific people who adore that that format and work in it. And um, It's like cutting engineers. Yeah, you know, and, and they're the expert in it. And if it comes to the point where everybody's like, we don't need stereo now because Atmos does fold down into stereo, so we don't need a stereo master, then we'll see what happens. Um, you know, I get to make a choice then. And as a business owner, I can totally do Atmos tomorrow if I want. Like, <laughs> I don't really care. Um, yeah. If I decide tomorrow, I'm like, you know what? Let's just do it. I'll just do it. You know, like, I can just do it. It's not, once again, no one's dying. And I can just say, you know what? I changed my mind. I was against it. And now I want to, not against it. I was not, you know, for me, a business choice I wanted to make. And now I made it, you know, and then that's on me. It's my liability, my responsibility. Mm -hmm. And it may be good or it may be bad, but that really doesn't impact anyone else but me. Um, so anyway, I don't plan on, jumping into Atmos anytime soon. But if you see me post about it tomorrow, then that'd be confusing for me as well, but I can do that <laughs> if I yeah. want. So, um, but yeah, the demand there, even on the high level, there's few people doing a lot of, a lot of the work and a lot of the back catalog stuff, but um, I don't see it really growing as it needs to, to become a, a main thing. Um, so yeah, so I, I think stereo mastering is like really where people should focus. And if you want to be a master engineer, there's plenty of opportunity, but it's going to cost you something, time, energy, resources. You're starting a business, you're starting a company, and you are competing in a quote-unquote competitive marketplace, even though I don't view people as com competition, but there is there is some level of competition um, or competitiveness from a business standpoint. Um, but from a person standpoint, I think it's different. And that's what I believe in. <laughs> so there's holes in that argument or that logic. Um, but yeah, I, I think mastering is important. There's value in it. There's high value in it. Um, the unbiased, man, just being the unbiased opinion, the end of a project the more I do this, the more I'm like, man, that's worth a lot of money. <laughs> like, it really is. And um, I think that's 
that's going to have value no matter what the format is. And, um, and we need more people to, to, be, to be that person for people on projects. So those are my thoughts. That's where I see mastering. Alive and well, thriving, maybe a little changing. Sonically, loudness is still king. Still is. That might change. Be fine. But as now, loud, compressed records, still a thing. No penalties, no rewards for normalization. Um, I feel like we could probably put that to bed now. There's been so many millions of records that have come out now, literally millions of all different levels, and some do really well and some don't. And I think the deciding factor is a decent song, good marketing, and you you push it like a business. So make records how you want next year because uh, that's what's really cool. Okay, I'm done talking. Matt, what do you see next year? Uh, as far as next year, well, first I want to say we're probably close to our time here. Yeah. But um, as far as next year, where is mastering going? Um, I mean, I will say as far as people getting into it, there's definitely no shortage of, in music. Should you convince people to, like, who, like, aren't... Mas- who are like self mastering or whatever to switch to you? It's like it's a bit of an uphill battle because they weren't spending money. Now they are spending money, and you have to kind of justify yourself. I also feel like as like you know all these AI programs, and I don't really know why mastering engineers are kind of helping the the fading of <laughs> like what people believe is mastering like yeah. out of existence. I think that's a bit weird, um, but. I mean, to each his own. Uh, I don't think there's a shortage in music. I think that uh, relevancy essentially will be maintained amongst the people who really do this professionally. Um, people who like need music to survive, which could be a bit, I, a bit of hyperbole for me or hypocritical. You know, me not needing, you know, mastering to survive, I suppose. I mean, I use the money. (laughs) But uh, the people who need music in order to live and, uh, you know, feed their families and whatnot, I feel like in the end, they're going to want a professional result. And it's like, I don't know. It's like, do they want an extra $100 or do they want... I mean, it's it's like the people who are like charging for mastering, they're just like charging dirt cheap. And it's like, why would you do like a full record, like 10 or 13 songs? And then like, I don't know, what are you going to be invested in that between like 10 and 30 grand or something like that, depending on like the production level. And then you're like, oh yeah, just go ahead and master while you're at it. It's kind of like, why wouldn't you want to hand that off to a professional? So I feel like the closer you are in relation to professionals, and like people doing this day in and day out, and in relation with them, I feel like you're going to maintain relevancy along with like how close you are essentially associated with labels. Cause I don't really think labels are going to be throwing anything through waves, you know, little <laughs> no. thing or through lander or whatnot. Um, and it's also, it's, it's like every, it's so bizarre because it's like it really shows how little like people understand what mastering is, and <laughs> I never do this, but there's this one 
guy on Instagram who was like showing like it was like a mixed master channel. He was like showing like like yeah, this is what I do to all my mixes for mastering. And I was just like, I never do this, but I commented. I was like, do not do any of this. <laughs> and I don't know. I think I had like a beer or something like that. <laughs> And I feel a liquid courage. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't like <laughs> drunk, but I was like, I don't know. I had like a beer, and I was like, whatever. Oh, yeah. I never do this, but this guy's just like dishing out garbage information, <laughs> and it was like, it was like nothing really had a purpose of existing. It was just like garbage that you heard somebody else say online. Anyway, and then like every everyone else was like, don't do this, but my comment was deleted, <laughs> and I was just like, this is so funny. Um, but anyway. It's like people don't know what it is. And so I feel like, you know, so long as they're guessing, then I guess we'll have jobs. <laughs> so right. I don't really, I don't really feel like anything's encroaching. What's amusing to me is I know people who are working on like AI mix algorithms. And it's like, well, that'll identify a bass guitar and drums and et cetera. And it's like, we'll see how these like producers, mix engineers feel when all these, you know, next generation up kids start taking their jobs with computers and Lander becomes a mix engineer now. Um, so anyway, we'll see how all that goes. It'll be amusing. We'll just be here like, well, well, well. <laughs> so. Anyway, should you get into it, I say yeah. Um, I think the future for 2024 is bright. Um, just keep your head down, keep working, keep reaching out to people, and really just keep bringing people value. Um, okay, last part. We got a wrap here soon. Looking forward, um, as far as the podcast for 2024, where are we going? How are we switching things up? This is like literally like the last few minutes of the podcast and finally getting to it, to the title. Of the episode. So, um, how are we switching stuff up? Um, we've had over the years a lot of people say, hey, man, I really love like all the small business episodes and I have this studio, I have this business, and I want to grow it. I want to do more with it, but just all the information out there is garbage. I love when y'all do this. And in all honesty, this is not even a humble brag, it's like a legit brag. Sam and I will get messages, DMs, whatever from people saying, we have done exactly what you told me to do and now I am like legitimately successful in doing this. Yeah. And so it's not we don't have a formula. There's not oh, 10 quick steps to do this. There's not that. It's just like do these things correctly and just like it's all just genuine work in putting in the time and how to do it. And so we're going to dedicate a good part of next year, maybe the whole of next year, to, like, we're still going to do the gear episodes and the Q&A and all that stuff and some mastering stuff, but we really want to touch on some of the business stuff. We're not all oh, trying to reach a wider market. We're not trying to do any of that. We're not trying to turn our podcast into something that it's not. We just want to talk to you. And you have told us that you're interested in some small business content. And the idea is... How do you start a business? How, like, how do you start this type of business? How do you structure it? Like, how, why should you structure it this way? Um, some of the relationships that you should probably make with third parties, whether that's like bankers, attorneys, et cetera. Um, how do you grow and scale this business properly? How do you deal with labels? How do you like scale from like an indie kind of thing to you really want to work with labels? How, like, and do you want to make that decision? Um, 
how do you scale your business so that you're actually able to do this uh, full-time? I have a plan right now that if I wanted to do this full-time, I could probably I could do this full-time. I just doing this full time, like my other business is going so well, it'd be like getting off a rocket ship, like when it's, you know, going up. It's like, who the heck would do that? Like, not me. Right. So it's like, I have a plan that, like, if I ever wanted to, I could, but it's just, I'd be an idiot. And so that's why I'm doing this stuff. I'd like small business. I like entrepreneurship and I just love chasing this thing. I mean, I've like, I started my own lawn business when I was like eight years old and, <laughs> never really had a boss. So it's just like, I just, I, I, I literally live, live and breathe this stuff and I just love it. Um, so we're going to go into business a good bit. Um, and then after we get into scaling, some stuff that I'd like to talk about, uh, not just me, you know, Sam's here too. Uh, we'd like to get into like how to actually turn your business into like a legitimate wealth generating mechanism for you and your family. So that y'all can like legitimately like live and thrive off of this. It's like you shouldn't, you know, be the starving artist as, you know, popular as it might seem. You shouldn't be the starving artist. You should, mm-hmm. you know, you should thrive and you should expect things like and great things for your life, for you and your family. And um, your business should be able to provide for that. Um, along with like managing really difficult times. Uh, businesses have up and downs. Like should you actually leverage like negative profit years? Um to um, how do you plan for retirement? What types of um, like mechanisms should be in place for this? Um, what I do, what Sam does, and maybe what we don't do, um, and maybe some personal opinions. None of this, however, next year is legally binding. So <laughs> at every beginning of the episode is like, do not take our advice, but here's right. the advice. Um, so that's kind of the thing. We really want to focus on small business. And then if you ever grow it to where you want to like exit, it's like we can talk on that as well. So if you have anything you'd like us to touch on, we'd love to add it to the list and really grow it. Next year, I we're starting off strong with a, uh, a fun episode. We've actually already recorded it. Um, and... It, I mean, not to you know get ahead of ourselves where we are now. It's essentially about like the best money we've ever spent in business, and so uh, kind of going down there. And then I think I don't know, middle to middle of January, beginning of February, we're going to really kind of kick uh, kick that off. So we're looking forward to that. Um, you have anything you want to add, Sam? No, honestly, that was terrific. And if I was to talk more, I'd just be redundancy. So. <laughs> Cool. Well, anyway, if you've, like, we know that there have been people here that have listened to every single episode. So if that's you, thank you so much. Um, and it's like, holy crap, like going into year seven. That's wild. Mm-hmm. So thank you. F- and if, if this is your first episode, thanks for listening too. Um, we're kind of looking forward to, you know, taking this journey together. So um, I will quit rambling. Sam probably has at this moment a sweet beat queuing up from the background. If you wouldn't mind saying thank you to him, he has done this for six years. We're rolling into seven years. Um, if you wouldn't mind saying thank you to him just for all the hard work he's put into this, I would greatly appreciate it. Your thanks and gratitude is really just an extension of my thanks and gratitude. So thank you, Sam, for making this always sound great and oh, well. just, yeah, killing it every time. Um, if you need a mastering engineer, Sam can be found at Moses Mastering. I can be found at For the Record Mastering. 
And we'd both love to take your uh, song, record, whatever have you, across the line. <clears throat> and uh, yeah, if you wouldn't mind sharing this episode, we would really appreciate it. And um, besides that, I'd say morning, afternoon, evening, whatever y'all are having, have a good one. Season six is in the ra- is in is in the books. Woo! See y'all in season seven. Take care. Ta ta. Cue the music. Cue it.